Hello, it's Elaine and Mark from the Honeymoon Period podcast. That sounds like a, an introduction to an introduction. I feel we don't do an introduction. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently, obviously, because like, what else would I do with, with my day? But do they do their editorial conversations on the, on the show as well? Not, no, funny enough not. But yeah, they always say who they are at the beginning. We've never ever done that and we've got lots of new listeners. Um, had a lot of new listeners recently following on from our Line of Duty podcast. So I kind of feel we maybe should be a bit more professional. What do you think? I think it's become a UIP that we're... UIP? UIP? I was thinking, what on earth is a UIP? Oh, what 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 is it? It's a... Oh, now you've got me now. What USP. 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 What, that we're ramshackle and yes. just launch into things? Yeah, absolutely. And have their editorial conversations whilst recording. Should we start with the fact that you've just stopped me from starting the recording whilst you ran and got a pudding, having remembered that you hadn't had a pudding tonight? Oh, I haven't had a pudding. I can't, I can't start the podcast until I've had a pudding. Well, it's quite surprising that I can hear you here from your massive glass house that you're recording from. There's no one that craves sweet chocolate as much as you, so... Uh... That's an interesting argument. But true. But true, yeah. You is. have car chocolate. Yeah, everyone should have car chocolate. You never know when you might need it. Emergencies arise. <laughs> and when all you the time. it's when I get in a car and I'm escaping <laughs> yeah, right. and, and Mark can't judge me from having chocolate. <laughs> oh look I'm in a car. Where is my car chocolate? Yeah. Anyway, fair enough. Maybe I shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> so this is the podcast where we talk about what we've been watching during the past week or so. We have a TV section and a film section. Now we're gonna rattle through our TV section this week because it is I don't want to say lowbrow, but we haven't really got a, a deep analysis ready to to provide to everyone. So we thought I'm going, we'd just... I'm going in deep on one of the shows. Oh, are you? Yes. Do, what do you want to start with? I think we should start with start with the best show on telly. Watching television, watching television. Come on then, what's the best show on telly? This is my house. See, I always think it's called Welcome to My House. No. Because that's the song. It's not even the theme song. It's just what they use halfway through. Like, as an... In, in, it's what they use halfway through, like, to, just to break up the sections. Like an intermission? No, not really even that. Just like like we've just used to talk in television. Okay, right. Or watching television. When they pan out on the houses and... Look at them, like get the drone out. And, yeah, and you get flow riders. Welcome to my house. I think you get also get you get dum 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 dum. Okay, dum, yeah, you dum. probably do. And, and as that as well. Anyway, should we talk about what the show is about rather than just you know going on about the theme tune? Absolutely. So this is kind of like the Mass Singer. Yes, but but for houses. But for houses, and without the celebrities contestants. So you've got Stacey Dillon presenting it. She goes to a house that has four people stood outside, all of who claim to be the owner. This is my house. Yes. I'm mic number one, mic number two, mic number three, mic number four. They then spend 24 hours in the house, all pretending to be the owner, apart from one of them is the owner. The rest are actors and imp- improvisers. And then you have a team of celebrities trying to work out who is telling the truth and whose house it actually is. And obviously we're doing the same as the audience. We're yes. going along with the celebrities, we're agreeing with them on some things, we're disagreeing with them on others. Just like just like the mass singer, isn't it? Where you just go, right, okay, which ones apart from you've got people to guess from. Yes. So 
you know, like you say, is it mic number two? Is it mic number four? And you're just looking at them and like, which one is the actor? Which ones are playing roles here? Yeah. I mean, it's quite telling that at one point we were completely thrown and thought it was so obvious that it was someone and then they got eliminated because yeah. the person the person whose house it is needs to be picked by the panel of celebrities which is Emily Attack, Bill Bailey, uh, Judy Love and Jamali Maddox. Great um, celebs actually, yeah. I really enjoyed them. I'm not really familiar with Jamali Maddox and Judy Love but they're so funny and so and everyone's real personable on it and then they have a guest judge and each week. they seem week. to be really getting on as well. Yeah, so they've had Jimmy Carr on haven't they? Yeah, they had people that we don't know, is it Spencer? Spencer someone? Matthews and, and Vogue Williams. Right, okay, good, I'm glad you know. Uh, judge Rinder was one week. Yes, yeah. I think Lawrence really Llewellyn Bowen was one as yeah, well. Yeah, he was quite early on. Um, I, this is a great, I, I did not want to like this show but it's a really fun guessing game. Yep. Yeah. All it is is people pretending to own a house. Mm. So you will see them in a bedroom and they will say, yeah, I picked these covers out um, in 1996 and we've never changed them since. And then the other person will go, no, nah, I bought them in John Lewis last week. And you look and you go, which one of them's lying? Mm. Why would you come to this story? It's a, it's a massive examination of psychology. Um, and then they'll go for a little drive and start waving at people down the street. And the actors will pull things. Like, one of them went into one of the shop and goes, oh, I need to pick something up here, and pull out a package. And she'd prearranged it just to throw everyone else off. This is the very worst telly, but it's so enjoyable. I think we've we've compared it to The Masked Singer a couple of times. Yeah. It's, re- it's devised by Richard Bacon, which is amazing. Hey, you told me about this. Former Blue Peter presenter, Richard Bacon. Yeah, um, and it's the episodes are written by uh, Mark Haynes, who is a podcaster on WrestleMe, which you won't listen to at all. But you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was addressing the audience there. <laughs> I don't think anyone will listen to this, listen to it, but it's really, it's people watching wrestling who don't necessarily watch wrestling a lot, so it's good fun. Um, but yeah, check this out. Check this it is, out. It's, it is good fun. It's mindless telly. It's sort of like a Saturday night. Sort of th- I don't even know when it's on because we always have it on record and then we catch up with it when we've got a bit of time. I think it's perfect Saturday night telly. Yeah. Saturday night, Friday night, just sitting on the sofa shouting, oh, it's not him, It's not- he doesn't go with that house. Or And also they've got usually got the partners of the persons that have to you know, sort of sit with the people who are pretending to be their partner. Yes. And you're, tr- you're watching their face like... Are they, you know, the body language, are they comfortable with that person? Is it mm. the person they've been married to for years? Or is it a random stranger who they've never seen before? Uh, it's good fun. Mm. What, what have you been watching? So, a little bit of a change, but I have been watching an ITV drama called Too Close, featuring Denise Goff and Emily Watson. Yeah. So it's mainly a two-parter, although there are lots of other people involved but it's concentrating on on those two it was sold as a sort of silence of the lambs-esque thriller and when i first watched it i I watched half an episode a little while ago i could not get into it whatsoever i i thought it was a bit over the top 
Denise Goff, who I know from that amazing BBC show, What Remains? Do you remember I went on and on about it when we first went out? We watched it together watched it very again. early on in our relationship. Yeah. No, no, we watched it live very early on in I our relationship. I always get that wrong. I always think I watched it and then told you. I'm sure I know you said this before the You've actually recommended it to me loads of times. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we watched it together, love. Anyway, recommend What Remains, BBC. It, that was 2013 and I hadn't seen her in other things but I understand she's been to theatre and, and all that but she is um, she's such a screen presence I find it absolutely fascinating and then obviously Emily Watson is brilliant as well but I just couldn't get into it I just felt there was uh, I, I think in hindsight I think it was missold because then I listened to Boyd Hilton on the pilot TV podcast and he started talking about some of the other themes that would come out of the show and that actually once you got into sort of like episodes two and three it it really it, it was really very good and he talked about the ending being very poignant so I went back and then I consumed it all in one day I just watched all the episodes and it is not what they have set it up to be it is much more of a drama it's looking at women and and mothers it's looking at medication and the way that is given out and controlled and some really challenging issues okay which i had not seen presented on tv before because i'm not gonna lie Mm. you when you say i'm watching a program with challenging issues that's not unusual Yeah, I know. But I ha- I haven't seen this. I don't want to give anything away because there is still a mystery element. You know, something has happened to Denise Goff's character. Emily Watson is a forensic psychiatrist that's brought in to work out whether she's um got amnesia or she's done something on purpose and the story un- unfolds throughout the episodes and you're left particularly at the beginning you're you're left with this sort of like oh is she is she psychopathic and is she you know being very odd with Emily Watson and Emily Watson seems to have a lot of grief with her as well but as it calms down and as you get to know the characters and as you see what has happened in both women's lives it becomes much more of a poignant challenging yes because of the themes but a poignant and important I think drama about motherhood about community that at one point Emily Watson you know, is talking to a doctor and the doctor's saying, oh, if only we'd known, you know, we could have helped her. And she says something along the lines of, you know, she was slipping and nobody caught her. And that's, you know, I thought that was just some really interesting points there. So don't be put off if, like me, you thought you were being sold this very heightened Silence of the Lambs thriller, because that's not what it is. If you if you're looking for that, you might be a bit disappointed. But if you want a more considered drama, particularly around uh, women and challenging issues to do with women and women's lives, this is the the drama for you. I was really pleased I watched it in the end. I thought it it, it really struck me as something that I hadn't seen on television before. And directed by Susan Tully. And directed by Susan Tully. Yes. Who, who, come on, you want to say who it is? It's Michelle I can Fowler. See it in your face, yeah, of EastEnders fame, which I'm sure she's absolutely delighted to be brought up every time. Well, I mean, I mean this is going to be a, this is going to be a, like a bit of a side, a bit of a tangent, right? Did you know they replaced, they brought back Michelle with a different person playing her? No. Yeah. 
I haven't watched EastEnders for a long time. Nor have I, but I, I think I was flicking through and someone said Michelle. I was like, that's weird that they've got another character the same name as like quite an iconic character. And I looked it up and yeah, it's just a different person. Oh, okay. This might have been a year ago that this happened. EastEnders news there for everyone. Suzanne Ross as well in <laughs> Grinch Hill. Bit before my time. Sausage on a fork flying through. All <laughs> oh, right, we're not going yeah. down there. Nostalgia corner. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the mayor of Easttown? Oh, I forgot we watched that. And it's not the <laughs> it's not the mayor. Oh, you are driving me mad with this. It's Mare, and that's her name, and it's not M-A-Y-O-R. It's is it M-E-R-E. Is that how you spell it? It T-H-E-M-A-R-E. So this is the brand new big HBO drama. Um, they release seem to have one every like few months now at the minute, don't they? All of these are centered around a big acting um, focal point, and in this one, it's Kate Winslet. She is playing a chief of police. I mean, as if anyone listens to our Line of Duty podcast will know, I have no clue what British ranking system for policemen is. <laughs> I was just thinking that. She's definitely not the chief. I think she's a detective. She she, she wears clothes rather than a uniform. Yeah. So, yeah, she's... But she was reporting to someone else within one of the episodes. So I think she's a fairly high-ranking detective. Okay. But I don't know what. Um, who's set in a small town where she has... A small amount of celebrity as being a high school sports star. She has got a family. She's got a. She looks. She has custody of her grandchild. Um, it, I don't think we've seen much of this, but it seems like there is certainly the parent of the grandchild has certainly passed away. That's what we're, we're that, sort of yeah, guessing from the first, yeah. first episode. As always happens in these HBO programs, episode one, which is all that's shown, ends with a murder. Mm. I think this is by the numbers HBO drama. Really? Oh, I'm so surprised. I am so getting sick of these marginally tortured police detectives have to solve a murder and episode one ends with a female protagonist naked in a river. How many more of these are we going to have? I think this is very different. I think this is very different. I think you've got Kate Winslet who is clearly acting her socks off here Mare, who she plays, I think is so multifaceted. I don't think we're getting a by-the-numbers performance here. I think you've got a load of grief in there. You've got joy in there. You've got one minute she's, you know, just rolling around in her car looking miserable. The next minute she's off having ostensibly a one-night stand. How many, of the, how many of those things could be, reply, could be replaced if you just said Amy Adams in Sharp Objects? Oh, no, I'm just... No, I don't, I, I don't think that is, that is true. I think you've got all this thing with the, 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 the community, with her being this, this basketball star. I think there are some really well-drawn-out relationships that are, that are, that are there and, and really, really well, well done. It's, to me... And look, this is, this is really well made, mm. but as a all the others and they all if you took a shot of them to me you can't really tell apart from if the star's on screen um i'm just getting bored of them okay, well, may- maybe it's more the, the the style of show then yeah and it's incredibly well done mm. it's incredibly well made and there is great acting as part of it but i just i mean i could see you can see who the victim's going to be from the first second they appear on yes, the screen but- 
typically with these shows you see the victim and you don't know very much about them or you get a little bit here we've got a, a young woman who is the victim we know a lot about her life and i hadn't seen her lifestyle and what has happened in her life depicted like that before you typically with these shows you get a very either a very well-to-do woman who ends up you know dead at the end or someone who is um really really destitute here we've got something we've got a victim who has has more to them there there is so much going on in in her life she's you know i, I don't want to give the game away with what yeah. happens but there are there are things in this that i had not seen before there's um female violence which i hadn't seen depicted or not for a while anyway and it's certainly not something that we come across very regularly there's some very very interesting ideas around the relationships that the the victim has i i thought it was very it was different i really did we're both playing with our phones 10 minutes in i don't remember doing that we were because i i looked i i thought well if she's playing with her phone i'm gonna play with mine i don't remember doing that at all you definitely did okay um i'm gonna carry on probably watching it in the background Okay. I am. I don't have that much interest in this, though. I don't care who did it, and I think that's probably the key thing for me. Um, Kate Winslet is perfectly good in this, but then, like I said, Amy Adams. I think Amy Adams set the bar so high with Sharp Objects. Amy Adams wasn't a detective in Sharp Objects. Yeah, but it's, she was still solving a mystery. I mean, it's. I think it's a very, very different show with with really like topically very, very different. I... Even like the class of the people involved, there's, there's a huge. I think you're mixing up sharp objects and this. I would never put those two together. This and Happy Valley, which is a British show, I would absolutely put those two together. I feel very similar. I just feel like you know those little wheels where you can. It's like certain heads and then certain bodies and then certain like trousers and you can choose different outfits and you can use like a clown face and a businessman suit and then gorilla legs i feel it's like policeman detective something else and then backwater town metropolitan city and it's just the hbo wheel and then oh, there's always a murder there's always a murder that's the nature of the show <laughs> that's what this show is if you if you don't want to murder, don't watch shows like this. Yeah. This is what this is. You know, it's it's a it's a crime thriller. I might just not like crime thrillers. I think that might be the case. And I think, but there just seems to be so many, and it might just be because I live with you. Uh, yeah, that that could be it as well. <laughs> but yeah, are you looking for something a bit different? I think that yeah, I think I think you might be right there. Like I said. It's perfectly fine, and I'm glad that you enjoy it because yeah, uh, it's, it's absolutely yeah. right up my street. Mm. Probably should clarify because we've um, the, so this is my house is on BBC and on the iPlayer. Too close is that ITV? It's ITV. I think yeah. the ITV player. Mm. And the mayor of East Town is. <laughs> you can't help yourself now, can you? Especially now that we've we've had a disagreement about what we think about the show, you're going to be even worse with it now. I just enjoy winding you up by saying it now, as you can, as anyone listening can probably tell. Anyway, carry on, Mark. Mayor of East Town. The Mayor is... of East Town is on Sky Atlantic. Um, so the first episode was on Sunday, just gone, and then it's weekly episodes. 
Should we move on to movies? Yes. Let's I wonder, I wonder if we're going to have a difference of opinion about Godzilla versus King Kong. <laughs> Let's go. Let's see. And that concludes our review of Godzilla vs. Kong. Not Godzilla vs. King Kong, if we're going to get pedantic oh, about names. Did I... Is it not King Kong? No, it's Godzilla vs. It Kong. That. Yes, I know, you've said oh, it about no. 14 times. I know, I but that. I just ignore it because I can. <laughs> and it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> yeah, that's my review. That's the bit I enjoyed. Rawr. And all other bits, not bothered about. Any sort of human bit, really not bothered. So this is the fourth in the series of films after Godzilla, Kong Skull Island and Godzilla King of Monsters. Is it not King of the Monsters? I don't care and we're right. moving on. We're not okay. getting into another naming device. Fair enough. Yes. I, I did not expect this to come about. I Well, I really liked Godzilla. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I really liked... It's Gareth Edwards. Yes. Mm. I really liked Kong Skull Island. And King of Monsters, King of the Monsters, whatever it was, was appalling. I thought it was appalling. I thought it had some beautiful moments. Like the bit where Mothra opens her mothy arms. I don't know what they're called. Wings. Wings are what they're called. Oh, God. <laughs> We're very tired. <laughs> when that's, that's, there were lots of aesthetically pleasing things in that film, I felt. Mm. Again, human characters, apart from like Ken Watanabe, who I thought had a lovely performance in it. Yes. Wasn't really that bothered about the rest of them. Can't really tell. Oh, Millie Bobby Brown was in it, wasn't she? Yeah, as she's in this. So I'm a big fan of Godzilla films. I used to watch them. They were on Channel 4 in the... Late, 30, late 80s stroke, early 90s. And me and my friends used to record them and then watch them before we went to school. So I would, I've grew up with them. I love, I lo- really love the shitness of them. I love the fact that if you watch them back to back, you can spot, okay, well, it's gone from day to being night as someone's thrown that. And I definitely saw that shot of that lizard being thrown into that building last week in Destroy All Monsters. And now they've used it in Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, for example. Um, I think I took you quite early on to see uh, Gajira, the Japanese original Godzilla. Yeah, I didn't know what I was in for there when you said, let me do And I think you were nervous. <laughs> oh. So you took me to like the local independent cinema and said, I'm going to show you this, this original film. Two films we went to early on where I spent the first half hour going, oh my God, Elaine is going to hate this. One was Gajira and the other one was A Hard Day's Night. Um, but I really I, enjoyed it. I think it's. I mean, it's. It's not the film that you think it's going to be. No, it's not at all. The Japanese reaction to the atomic attacks on them. Uh, it's very political. It's very socially conscious. Yeah, the history, and mm. I could see it coming out. I remember in like I did A level history, and we watched films, not looking at the content of the film, but analysing what was going on at the time in the world that then leaked into the film and that's what Gojira reminded me of. There's so many like that. Yeah, there's so many films like that and I think, yeah, it's a perfect... It's a, it's encapsulates the moment perfectly. Yeah, I think, like you said, I didn't think this was going to be made because Godzilla King of Monsters absolutely bombed at the box office. I don't think anyone was asking for this show-off between Godzilla and Kong. I wasn't. 
Although the internet seemed to be really excited about it. When the trailer came out, everyone lost their shit, didn't they? They were like, oh, look at that. And it did look very impressive. And those are the bits I enjoyed in the film. I've got a theory on this. Okay, go on. I think everyone has been so starved of blockbusters. Mm. And we've had to put up with like fake Netflix blockbusters that are kind of like a blockbuster, but a little bit smaller. And then this came out, and it is big monsters throwing other big monsters into buildings. Yes. This is still as shit as Godzilla King of Monsters. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And I've got some very specific problems with the plot of this. I've had so many different reviews of this which say anything with any human in is rubbish. Agreed. But can we just dig deep into this? Because this has got really good people in. Alexander Skarsgård is a good screen presence. Yes, but he starts off being one character and he ends up being another. Something went on (laughs) in this film because he starts off being very nerdy, he looks very unkempt, He's he's like a discredited scientist. And then a couple of scenes later, he's action hero, action man. Yeah, absolutely. Leading man, perfectly capable of doing everything, and everyone's looking at him. You've got Brian Tyree Henry, who is from Atlanta. I really hope he makes things, because obviously Lakeith Stanfield and Donald Glover have become such huge stars. Donald Glover first, now Lakeith Stanfield is nominated for an Oscar this week. Brian Terry Henry is so good in Atlanta and I really, really think he's such a good comedic presence. He has nothing to do in this other than play this fake conspiracy theorist. Hey, he's a podcaster. Who's thought of as being like the hero of this when he's like, oh, you don't drink tap water, do you? Um, he gets to hang around with Millie Bobby Brown, who I really like in Enola Holmes. I think she's annoying in quite a lot of other things, and boy, is she annoying in this. Julian Dennison, who is Ricky from Hunt for the Wilder People, and I think he's Deadpool 2. So, so good in Hunt for the Wilder People. And he's actually really insane in this. Yeah, he is, to be fair. And he's probably the best human thing in there. Mm. Um, but, God, like, there are plot holes you can drive a car through. Well, half of the plot I didn't even understand. Even on my second watch, because I watched it for the for the action. You watched it again? I watched bits of it. I went and fast-forwarded because mm. I wanted to see them beating each other up again. And then I had to sort of watch bits of the human plot to build up to that. And I still didn't really get it. Eliza Gomez turns up as Baddie. I don't know who that is. So she's... Um... <laughs> she's the daughter of the owner of the big company. Oh, she, she is just... A bad person. Yes, I get what you mean. Yes. Yeah, she just rocks up and she's horrible to everyone. And, and there she's, we go. And she's very pretty. Yeah. And that's that's that is I think at one mm. point we turn to each other and goes, She's only there because she's very good looking. <sighs> Rebecca Sorry. Hall, who's normally such oh, a good presence. Well, I think she is. I think she's re- she's doing the best work she can. Particularly because she has scenes and this is the one thing I really enjoyed about it. She, they, she has scenes with a little girl who um, I understand is deaf in real life. Yes. And she is using what I presume to be ASL, American Sign Language. Yeah. Great. We, we have experience of um, British Sign Language in mm. our our home life. Yeah. Um, we, we use BSL. It, it was good to see that represented on screen. I felt good for our family, that a member of our family who has hearing loss 
would see that representation on screen. So tick box for that. Mm. But still, you know, Lance that's Red- just the whole yeah. thing. Lance Reddick turns up just in the background. Like for oh, maybe there? one scene. Oh, you're right, yeah. And he just appears and like they talk to him. And I'm like, I have I missed something? Like when did he turn up? So, something went on with the editing. However, the action... I I loved the action. I thought it was beautifully rendered. The way, the direction where you're going in and out of the giant monsters and your perspective is changing all the time. So you don't know whether an arm's going to cut. You know, it almost felt like 3D where you're like going underneath someone's arm then coming back up again and then you can see them swiping at you and I really enjoyed the action. I wonder if it was made for 3D. Mm. Um, and fate has deemed it not available. Uh, not available to be seen in 3D because the home 3D viewing seems to have been forgotten about now. Um, oh yeah, that was a thing at some point, wasn't it? Yep. Did you get like 3D TVs? You got 3D like? TVs yeah. and Sky did darts in 3D and stuff like that. But yeah, that's oh, all. I love that. That's love all the darts. Gone. I've got a problem. <laughs> We've got a lot of problems. In that I'm a Godzilla fan, and he seems to be made the baddie in this. Yeah, I've heard this before on the on the reviews, and it does. I know it says Godzilla versus Kong, but they might have all just called it Kong in big letters with and Godzilla. And down you at were the in no doubt who font. you were meant to cheer for in yeah. the fights. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you've got to have someone who's the goody and someone who's a baddie. That's the whole point, isn't it? But it, yeah, it was. It was not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure whether you do, but okay. I mean, it's two things hitting each other. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can do... Captain America Civil War has two teams fighting against each other where neither of them are seen as baddies. I mean, I'm not sure whether you could necessarily get into that complex a plot between a yeah, big gorilla a and a big nuanced, lizard. isn't it? Yeah. I also love the fact that King Kong has grown about 14 times. Yeah, well, so apparently it, he's, he was a baby in Skull Island and now he is an adult. Okay. okay. Should we should we move on? Let's move on. Don't watch this film. Uh, watch it for the action. Fast forward like I did, past the humans, and watch the action because it's good fun for the action. That is that that um, no one does that. I did. It's a good yeah. I no mean, one pays buying it. You know, no one pays sixteen pounds to see. Did that. we buy it? Yeah, we rented remember. it. I was just thinking, did yeah. we buy it? We did, didn't we? <laughs> it wasn't mm. free. Okay, well, fair enough. Don't buy it. Wait till it comes out for free. And then fast forward to the action. Should we get to the main event? Go on then. Because we... So last week, Promising Young Woman appeared on Sky Cinema as an exclusive. And boy, I think that Sky Cinema should have put a new label on other than just Sky Movies Original. Because this... a year, Two years ago, their Sky Cinema Originals were Dave Batista running around a football stadium yeah, trying to solve a right. murder. Yeah. Um, this is somewhere beyond this. This is a a big name film that is designed uh, designed to go in theaters. It has gone in theaters in America. It's an Oscar, and it, BAFTA. Oscar, Oscar and BAFTA. Not, yeah. Well, BAFTA winning film, BAFTA winning, Oscar nominated, nominated film, and it's Sky. So you've just gone hype. Sky Cinema Original. Yeah, um, I, I love Sky. What, I love Sky. What would you have them do? I I don't know. I wouldn't call it a Sky Cinema Original. Sky. I don't Premier know. Or Sky I special. Don't, uh, they're, getting very, they're getting a lot better than this. Obviously, due to the circumstances, there are a lot of films that aren't going to make it to the cinema in this country. And so are coming on here, um, coming straight to Sky, in the same way that they've gone to Netflix and Amazon. But 
somehow Netflix's Netflix original seems to be. You would watch a Netflix original over watching a Sky Cinema original, wouldn't you? I haven't really thought about it that much. I've thought, thought about this a lot. You've thought about it. I just saw it come on the telly box and went, oh, look, Promising Young Woman's on. I'm not looking to see what it's marketed as. But, yeah, um, difference mean, between you and me. We get, oddly, for reasons, we get the Sky press release emails and stuff like that. And they... The first ever Sky Cinema original to win a BAFTA award. Did did Dave Batista not win a BAFTA award for final score? But also, like, I don't think it's not really a Sky Cinema original, is it? Like, it's Emerald Fennel's film. Yeah. Anyway, let's get onto the film. That was just my little rant on it. I don't think we're going to go too deep in this, but I think we're going to go into spoilers after our initial thoughts. Yeah, so um, do our, our reaction first, our spoiler-free review first, and then yeah. we'll shout for spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Promising Young Woman. Because we haven't really spoken about this film we since we watched it. At it. All. Apart from, I wanted to speak to you, and I... You said it was like you said it was okay. Because <laughs> I was like, do you want to save it to the podcast? Do you want to save it? But can I just talk about something? But... It was mainly because I couldn't get my head around it and I didn't know what I thought about it and I just wanted to say to you, God, I don't know what I think about that film. And that was kind of my my instant reaction at the time was I found it thought-provoking, I found it controversial, provocative, ambitious, but I, I just... There was so much going on, particularly as a woman having having experienced some of the things that are being depicted in this in this film so much going on and I still even now and it's been a while I've had lots of time to think about it I've had I've read reviews I've listened to interviews I still don't know what I think about this film mm. so just a quick overview so this is a revenge would you call it a thriller crime thriller yeah, yeah. It's comedy in there as well. It's Carrie Mulligan. Dark comedy. It's Carrie Mulligan um, who has had an experience through college. Uh, One of her friends had an experience and she is going out and taking revenge it's difficult yes. to, to describe, isn't it? She's, mm. she's essentially pretending to be drunk in clubs and then, in inverted commas, the nice guy. She, that's who yeah. she's going for. She's going for the, the people that most um, would look at and go, oh, they're just going to take her home. They're a nice guy. They're going to make sure she gets home okay. And actually, that's when you see the switch. That yeah. These people might look and might even look at themselves as nice people, but as soon as she comes out of the you know the the, the drunkness yes. um and she reveals that she's sober you can see you know all of all of that panic and fear and and everything that that comes with that it's really really difficult to describe because this this is so many films in one yeah i even want to say like it's a romantic comedy at some point because there is a section in the middle where it goes absolutely into that type romantic of romantic comedy I think we need to go into spoilers quite soon. I will say I love this film. I am addicted to this film. I've been thinking about this film all week. Um, this film, I'm amazed. I can think, see how women are really deeply affected by this. But as a man, I am so deeply affected by this as well. I think this turns the mirror around perfectly on men and the behaviour. Certainly, I mean, certainly 
when I was when I was young, this the the behaviour that is depicted here, not in abhorrently as goes here, it's an extreme version of it, but it's not. It would be it would be deemed as being normal. Mm. You know, you look at media from the mid two thousands, pick a random thing, Avenue Q, there is a line in there, take her home, she's wasted. Um it's depicted as normal and we are getting to a point with this and a companion piece and everyone's made the thing but i may destroy you to look at boundaries in consent and look at the gray areas and there is obviously a the both center around a really really problematic sexual assault but they also explore other areas of when is it okay when is it not okay um, and how do we how do we look at people who have been accused mm. and who are victims? Yes. So, what it, I mean, the title in itself is a, a play on you know promising young man in a real life court case. Yes, where you know you're essentially saying, but this this young man has his whole life ahead of him. Why mm. ruin his life for this act of? perhaps banter or something that you've done when you're young or mm. something that is, is like you say what no one really knows what happened in inverted commas yeah it it re- like you say it really does turn the mirror around not just on men though but also on women's pers- perspective and yeah. and not talking about the victims but talking about women who should be allies but mm. end up making excuses for perpetrators yeah and that is also exposed i think it's really interesting that she doesn't just look at men she also looks at the people who protect Mm. the men who are the perpetrators so i i would recommend anyone to watch this unless there is obviously many people where this could be triggering triggering some people if you know that you are somebody's gonna be triggered by this you can make your own decisions on this i think from anyone any young man this needs to be seen because i wish i'd seen this at 18 Mm. because i would have learned something about it um can we go to spoilers yes let's let's do because i can't come up with like a pithy review of this without Mm. talking a little bit more about what has happened so Massive, massive spoiler alert for Promising Young Woman. We are going into spoilers now. So I remember in 1998, when Austin Powers first came out, there is a scene in that where, and everyone knows Austin Powers, uh, Shagadelic, blah, 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 where Elizabeth Hurley's coming on to him and he goes, no, we'll be right, you're drunk. And I remember in 1998, that feeling, I didn't expect that character to do that because the idea of a girl being drunk and then someone hooking up with her is so, so prominent in media all the way through from the beginning of media through to probably, well, even 10 years ago. There is a film, it came out about the same time as Paul Black Mall Cop and it's Seth Rogen as a mall cop where he hooks up with Anna Faris when she's high on pills. And I think there is a line to make it less problematic where she's like, oh, what are you doing stopping? And right, yeah, okay. that was 10 years ago. I mean, it's good that society is coming on and making these points now. But this it was so ingrained in society, certainly when I was growing up, that this you go out, you get drunk, and that's it. Nightclub culture. Yeah. 
this really, really made me think about not not so much not so much my actions and not so much my actions of pe- of my friends, but this will have happened most nights when I've been out. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and not even to the extent of the 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 assaults that potentially take place or, or yes. do do take place but more in the in the general behavior as well you know the behavior of men on, yeah. a, on a night out and we've all seen it we've all seen groups of, mm. of blokes particularly in those sorts of scenarios jeering at women or you know and then also that the turning as well of oh yeah. can you not take a joke yeah and there's a scene in the film where there's some builders or something that start mm. shouting at her and when she just stands and st- you know stands her ground and yeah. stares at them and is strong and confident mm. woman they absolutely go back onto that idea of oh can you not take a joke you know and that's it's the the writing of this is so c- clever because it's really representing what we what we see very very frequently. Mm. The casting is so brilliant because for the guys that she meets in clubs to be nice guys, mm. they they cast them so well. Adam Brody as Jerry in the opening scene, um, it's obviously famously in the OC in. He was in Shazam last year or a couple of years ago, wasn't oh, he? Was I can't really remember him. I, yeah. I knew I knew him when I saw him, and I knew. Well, and you know what? I felt really safe with the fact that he was going over to her and because the two guys that were with him were just so leery and, and making lots of comments that were really awful. Yeah. And then he's like, come on. And then it it, it shows you, doesn't it? And yeah. it felt, it's such an educational vote that the when they get in the taxi and he then suddenly changes mm. where they're going and you're watching her and at no point in time is she giving him any sort of signal that she wants to go back to his house. She she's saying, oh, "I want to go home. I want to go home." And he he's like, "Come to mine for a drink." And he makes all the decisions for her. Yeah, Christopher Mintz Plas in a similar role. Mm-hmm. Obviously, made his name in Superbad, which is a film about young lads trying to get to a party with alcohol because they want to hook up with the, the girls there. And he says he's a nice guy. He, yeah. he's the one that repeats, "I'm a nice guy. I'm a mm. nice guy." And she then throws back everything that he's just done. Yeah. Where she she hasn't actively said, this is what I want to happen between us. Yeah. And she points out that it's used in the trailer quite a lot. She points out that he knows nothing about her, even her name. Brilliant in this. Alison Brie. This is where I start to have a bit of an issue. So okay. The Alison Brie character, I, I totally understand where... They're coming from with with her as a, as a woman who was around at the time when the uh, the um the what I think we're pre- pre- they don't use the word rape in in the at film any but, point during the but film. we're presuming yeah. that that is what has occurred. So this guy Al has 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 had sex with her without her consent because she she could not have consented at that time. It has been blackout drunk is the yeah. term used. Yeah, it, she, they, they, you later find out that they videoed it and there were a group group of men around essentially cheering him on yeah. and I don't know whether there's any suggestion that they also um, took part in, in the assault but there's yeah. this awful obviously we don't get to see it but you can it, it's very much you know mm. you, you know what has happened in in that room she is, is meant to be a friend who was there at the time you learn that she um, 
Nina went and talked to her about it and there's all this thing about she wasn't believed mm. or Alison Breeze going, oh, look, we were all drunk at that time. Loads of things happened. And Kerry Mulligan's character then takes her revenge by getting Alison Breeze's character drunk and then essentially setting it up. So that, that she so that feels... She, yes. She has been in the... Uh, she, she sets her up so that she is yeah. so drunk... And then sets it up so that she wakes up in a hotel room with a, with a, with with a, man. a man. Not knowing what has happened. Yeah. I found that really problematic. It I, is completely yeah, problematic. I did not like it one bit. Carrie Mulligan's actions in this are not uh, certainly not defensible. Mm. She kidnaps a child. Yeah, she, that's another thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and she goes in, I think it might be on purpose, that she goes in harder on the females than she does on the men. At certain points, up to a certain point, because she, you know, I, th- I assumed that she would be committing acts of violence on these men. That certainly doesn't seem to be the case, no, because yeah. she teaches them a lesson, tells them about their actions, yes. she, she essentially she turns the mirror back on them, and then seemingly leaves. There's certainly no indication mm. of, like, bat- serious, serious violence. Mm. Um, but yeah, she, she kidnaps a child... A, the college dean's child, and she certainly sets Alison Bree's character up. Yeah. I don't. I think, obviously, they are abhorrent actions in the in themselves, um, and it's not a case of tit for tat. You know, this is, and I don't think the film displays them as that. I still find it really difficult. I can understand that. I yeah, still find it really, and the only way I can get around it is by, and halfway through the film, I sort of read, this is this is not realism. This is yeah. a heightened, satirical. Mm whole mix of different genres all brought together and that's one way I sort of got round it in my head was by thinking this isn't real she's not really you know obviously I'm not saying that it's a fantasy but the film itself is pastel colours and the style of the film is is bold and bright and I'm not saying it's a dream but it's it's certainly not it, it's grounded in reality in terms of what's happening with the with the men in the film, yeah. And it's showing us what what happens. You know, it's a societal thing that we're we're looking at. But I then felt that it was it wasn't very realistic in terms of what was happening otherwise in the plot. I'm not explaining myself very well here. Do you do you see what I'm what I mean in terms of it's a heightened film, it's a satirical film, it's a I I think you're it's not a Mike Lee. I think you're apologizing for finding these things problematic. Whereas okay. I think these are meant to be problematic. Right. Okay. You're meant to feel uncomfortable about um Cassandra's actions in mm-hmm. this, Cassie's actions in this. Yeah. Okay. Um so that, that I don't think you need to start looking into why you find these problematic. Mm-hmm. I think they're one hundred percent meant to be. Could we talk about Bo Burnham's character? Because I didn't know... I only know Bo Burnham, and I suspect you don't know him at all. I know him as the writer and director of Eighth Grade, which is a film that came out a oh, couple of years really ago. Like that. Yeah, it's a lovely little film. But I... He's a stand-up comedian. I think he made his name on YouTube, sort of just posting his own sh- um, sets, which I haven't seen any of, but I've heard really good and really interesting things about them as okay. a stand-up. He is the perfect yeah, um, foil in this. I really liked him. Yes, and, and he's I'm still not sure whether I should like. That's what it makes you think: is should should we like him 
I still got to the end and I was thinking, oh, well, you know, he was in the room, but he was... And I was making excuses for him. Mm. When we find out he was in the room where Nina was being assaulted and he's on the video, yeah. I was still then thinking, oh, well, he was he was young at the time and maybe he didn't know what was happening. Mm. And I was doing all of those things of like, why ruin it and how a doctor and... And that's what it's meant to do, isn't it? That's the whole point of that casting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole thing around this is that people who are ostensibly good people can do can really do bad things. things, yeah. Um, and can look away at the wrong time. Yeah. And we we can forgive these people, but the victims still need to live with that. Um, there is such a good sequence in the in a pharmacy. Which is, like you mentioned earlier, straight out of a rom-com. And it's just before the twist where you find out that he... It, there is a video that's going around of the of the incident between Nina and Al. And he appears on it. Um, Which I saw coming a mile off, to be honest with you. I didn't. Did you know? No, I just no. thought, if this is too good to be true. Mm. We need to talk about the ending. Yeah, and that's oh, the other thing. Before that... we go into it. All right. How good are Clancy Brown... And Jennifer oh, yeah, Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge as Cassie's parents. Yes. Yeah. Just perfect. Scene stealing every uh, time they pop up, which is only a small amount. Yeah. The passive aggressiveness of her mother yes. is very interesting. <laughs> and Clancy Brown's sort of this world weariness, but also there's a lovely bit where he sort of says, we love Nina as a, a daughter, but it's nice to have you back. Yes. And then, and lots there about trauma, mm. and I suppose people wanting other people to get back to you know, sort of like get over it. Yes. Get yeah. get over it. Mm. Um, pull yourself together. Yeah. And get on with your life. And now you're as long as you're happy, we'll be happy. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot in there in in that parenting. Mm. So the ending. Yeah, this is where it kind of lost me as well. So. This is the final revenge on Al. Cassie goes to his bachelor party, pretends to be a stripper, takes him upstairs, ties him to the bed. And she, she it looks like she's going to like essentially tattoo Nina's name or scratch Nina's name yes. onto his body, which he would then have to explain to mm. his new wife. Al gets free from the handcuffs that she's tied him up with and in real time mm. throttles her with a pillar. Yeah, that was so hard to watch. And again, really, really hard to watch. That's completely how it's. That's yeah. that's oh, how it's, it's played. It's meant to be. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. The, there is. This is. We are watching violence against women mm. in absolutely how it occurs. My problem is, and I think this might be intentional. The acting of Chris Lowell, who plays Al, and Max Greenfield, who plays his best man Joe, in the aftermath of that, seemed like a mid-2000s frat boy comedy. Completely out of place with the rest of the film. I think this is intentional because these are good actors. Um, I mean, I know Chris Lowell from Glow. Yes, And Max right. Greenfield from New Girl. I didn't know him. Okay. Uh, he was in the big... I mean, he was in the big short. He's um, small, only a small role. Um, well, they're meant to be very privileged men. Yes. They're, they're, all, they're, they're doctors, they're surgeons. Mm. They are... You've got a lot of money. They're in a beautiful cabin, back yeah. to the party. You know, it's all gonna be it's all gonna be lovely for them. But yeah, it just seems like a totally different, a totally different film. And I'm convinced that is 
on purpose. Are you talking about the ending in total? Are you talking about sort of what happens after she dies? Whilst they are still in the bedroom, mm. um, Al is playing it like, oh, I can't believe this happened. Mm. And yeah, he's like, oh, oh she's, she's asleep. Yeah, she just, it's, yeah it's played yeah. like a frat boy comedy. Mm. It was almost like Weekend at Bernie's sort mm. of thing mm-hmm. with intentional overacting. Um, and then we go into a bit of melodrama at the end where there is a suspension of disbelief. Things happen at exactly the same time when there's no possible way that they could possibly happen at the and same time. And it's like time. she set it all up and she knew she was going to die. Yes. And everyone's getting text messages. And she knew exactly the time that the police would turn, turn up. up. Yeah. 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 I... To mm. me, it knocks half a star off mm. because it didn't... I mean, I think it's perfectly intentional by Emil Fresnel. Well... I've got something to say on that because having read all of these reviews and listened to things, my understanding is that her initial cut was to to end the film when Cassie is burnt, which again is another awful thing that she put, you know, they, they don't bury the body, they burn the body and that was going to be the end of the film. Mm. And the studio came back and said, you can't end it like that. It's too much of a dark ending. It's It's, you know, just cutting it there. I was ready for the cut at that point. Yeah, so was I. I was ready for the cut when he strangled her. I thought, oh, that's going to be it. He's, he's, he's suffocated sorry. So he suffocates her, and I thought, mm. that is going to cut to black, and that's going to be the end of the film. But instead, we get this, this almost like she's planned it. And that's, that's the bit that I really struggled with, was I can understand the point that she as a woman against him when he is backed into a corner having shown violence against women before of course he's going to be violent towards her and of course she's not going to be able to get out of it as a as a, a slight young woman yeah he is going to overpower her of course he's going to be able to kill her and many many um incidents like this occur you know ev- every year mm. so i can see that point if she got out of it if she you know she's not going to get out of it in real life so this is what what will occur but it's that that suggestion that she might have walked into that cabin almost like wanting to die. That's how, that's the bit I really struggled with, with this whole idea of, oh, I knew I was going to die and here you are, these text messages, and here mm. I am sending uh, uh, something to Alfred, Alfred Molina, which who we haven't spoken about. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like just that whole idea of, oh, I knew I was going to die, um, and actually, I might have wanted to die. I might have wanted to die because the trauma. You know, I'm living with this trauma. I, I'll never get better. I'll never be able to find joy in my life. That didn't sit right with I'm me. I'm not convinced that was the case. Mm-hmm. I think she was prepared to, knowing she was prepared for the consequences. I don't think that necessarily means that she was ready, that she wanted to. Um, you're totally right. We do need to talk about Alfred Molina because this. I've seen Alfred Molina in a lot of things, and it's only a small role. He's in one scene, but this is his greatest ever performance for me. I thought he was fantastic, and he, he's such a uh, the his physical presence as well. You you feel there's a sense of danger there. That's I absolutely how it's played. Happy. She's wincing. Carrie Mulligan plays this yeah. so perfectly, but they play off each yeah. other. Um, Alfred Molina for people who haven't seen the film who've gone did spoilers hello mom um she, she will you know <laughs> you will um alfred molina plays the prosecutor 
and the sorry the attorney who defense defense sorry yeah the defense attorney yeah. who defended oh, the uh, defended the young men yeah, and Almond yeah. uh in court. Um, and he's had a he's had a turnaround. He's realised that things th- this is not a good thing to be doing. And mm. although everyone deserved a defence, so I should put that out there. But yes. he's clearly been affected by the people who he has been defending. And he, as he says, he goes out to try and um, disgrace the women, to find things on their social media that they can show juries that will show. Oh, look, she was. She's a party. Girl. Yeah, she's a party girl, uh... and he is now living with the consequences. Mm-hmm. This could have gone one of either ways because I think a lot of. The film that I'm thinking of is The Last Supper. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I've not seen it. No. So it's a it's Cameron Diaz's first ever film, and it's her and I've not seen it for a long, long time. But it's her and her group of friends inviting people round to dinner who they may not necessarily agree with. So say, for example, members of the clan or something like I re- that. I remember the premise. Yeah. And I do if they it. if they find them objectionable, they mm, will kill they'll them. Kill them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the way that film plays out and spoiler for a 25 year old film is that they eventually find someone who does they do disagree with and they still kill them and then they go on and see more about the killing and i I thought this was going to go down that road at some point but she certainly sees the regret in his eyes Mm. and he is paying the price for his actions and it looks like she is paying off a thug to go in and beat him up afterwards but she says no i'd leave him alone um Kerry Mulligan is fantastic in this. I think we, we haven't we've spoken about what's happened in the plot. We've yeah. done a lot of plot pulling about. But we haven't spoken about her. I think she is brilliant in this. I mean, this is phenomenal performance. I know she's she's always been a good actor. I mean, everything I've seen her in, particularly things like Never Let Me Go, I think is the title oh, of the film. I love that film. That's incredibly dark, incredibly powerful. Um, she's fantastic in that. And she is wonderful in this. What a switch sometimes in her face mm. very sociopathic at moments as well the the poise and and the quietness of the performance and then the way that she can be giggly and fun and, and then she can be drunk and then she can be so she just turns so so quickly and the scenes at the end with Bo Burnham when she she has seen the video she just cuts him off there is yes. no love there anymore mm. there is there is nothing and she is she is absolutely convinced of, of what she must do now and that was it's quite chilling actually so her performance the way that she could just take everything that had gone before shove it in a basket and go actually no mm. i don't like this person anymore and i'm not going to feel sorry for them and i'm not going to feel regret and i'm not going to try and understand their point of view I am now going to absolutely ruin their life and blackmail them. And a brilliant, brilliant performance. I get the feeling she's going to win the Academy Award on Sunday. Who is she up against? I'm glad you asked. I have it in <laughs> front of me. Uh, so Francis McDormand for Nomadland. Who won the BAFTA? Yeah, won the BAFTA. Um, it's said, see, I've only seen one of these films. You've seen none of them. Yeah, true. Um, well, I've seen Promising Young Woman. No, sorry, one of the other ones. Oh, okay. Um, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman. Which is not a film I can watch at the moment because it's about a loss of a baby. Um, yeah, I'm I'm similar. It's it's not a film for me at the moment. Not yet. Um, Andrea Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday, another Sky original, mm, uh, Sky Cinema original, that, yeah. uh, and Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which you've seen. I've seen. I think she is 
brilliant in it. The problem is she's not in it as much. Okay. And she is... Com- this, that film is stolen by Chadwick Boseman. Okay. And I think in without Chadwick Boseman's performance, she might have shone further, but I would give it to Karen Mulligan all day long. Okay, great. Is there anything else you want to say about Promising Young Woman? No, we've spoken about it far more than I thought we would. <laughs> I'm glad it's sort of we've given it enough time this week. I'm glad we've sort of rattled through the other things because we clearly had a lot to say. I just want to say, I thought your review and your interpretation of that film was absolutely brilliant and I've really enjoyed listening to your interpretation it's really helped me not come to terms with parts of it but just to 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 work out why I had a reaction there's also many different reactions to that film and I still don't know what I think about it I'm finding it very hard to articulate what you know normally with a film I can say oh yeah like this like that and Mm. but this just has so many different things in that I think maybe week to week I would change my mind on it. Okay. I I still think it's a brilliant film. Mm. I've never thought it wasn't anything other than a brilliant film. But it has so much within it to analyse and I can see different perspectives on it. But thank you for for sort of helping me to sort of come, come through it a little bit. I'm really pleased we've had this discussion. I think this bit would probably be better off air, but uh, yeah, fair enough. (laughs) We congratulate ourselves each other on such, such a good. No, such no, a... I think it's right. It's right to say because that I have been waiting to do, have the discussion with you, and actually, a lot of the things that you've said about the film, I didn't anticipate you were going to you were, you were going to go into, or I didn't anticipate your your review being quite so um, so helpful for my okay. own working out with I, it. I found this an incredibly personal film to me. Mm. Um, I was I was the guy who walked girls home, you know, like that that was my thing because I was the guy who like made sure they got home okay and stuff like that. And yeah, it's it like nothing. I didn't do anything in particular, but I can I saw other other guys in a similar situation who might have done things. That's why it's so personal to mm-hmm. me. Um, Emerald Fennel's come out of nowhere, hasn't she? I know. I mean, I know she did um, Killing Eve. Series two, she was a showrunner for that. She's in the Crown. That's I know her as Camilla Parker Bowles in the Crown, and yeah, fabulous. Right, let's bring it to a conclusion. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening. Yeah, thanks everyone. If you'd like to give us a follow, we are on Twitter and on Instagram at the Honeymoon Pod. And if you'd like to drop us a review, we accept them on all places that accept podcast reviews, and they make us smile if they are good. Please join us for Line of Duty on Sundays. We are really enjoying doing this. Yeah, it's coming to an end soon. And even though I will like having my evenings back, I'm not editing a podcast at past midnight sometimes <laughs> on a Sunday night. It has been really good good fun to do and something a bit different as well. We- so if you have uh, joined us from, from Line of Duty, if you found us from the Line of Duty podcast, welcome. Um, and thanks for coming along to what we call the main show, which just is... <laughs> What have we been watching this week? I think we, I think we've brought some of the slapdashery from the Line of Duty podcast yeah, to the yeah, show yeah, this week. Yeah. It is often very 
ramshackle. But we, we record it straight after the show finishes. So as the closing credits are rolling, we are setting up the podcast equipment. Yeah, so it's absolutely yeah. an instant reaction. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks everyone. And we'll see you le- next time. Welcome to my house, baby, take-